Welcome guys to another episode of Facility and Property Management Secrets Radio. I'm your host, Javier Lozano Jr. And we've got a national, I'm sorry, we have another podcast uh, where we're going to be interviewing uh, Keith Kingstein. He is the president and owner of Boss Facility Services. Uh, Keith, thanks for coming on to our show. Absolutely. So, you know, Keith and I, we actually met at the uh, RIFMA trade show. And he uh, sent me a message on, um, on LinkedIn. And I, we were connected on LinkedIn, uh, I think probably through like either Prism or Connects, where I was kind of, you know, reaching out, connecting with certain people. And he just sent me a message and, and we kind of started chatting at the booth, uh, kind of learning a little more about what he does and what we do. And it was kind of cool. So, I mean, how did you kind of hear about this podcast out of curiosity, Keith? Well, I'm a big, uh, big user of LinkedIn and... Um... I'm not sure exactly how we connected at first, but I saw what you were doing on LinkedIn um, and specifically around all of your podcasts. I became very uh, interested to see, you know, what you had to bring to the table being uh, from the HVAC industry. So um, I've stayed tuned ever since and I I get very inspired by uh, by different, you know, people and what they're doing and how they're utilizing social media. That's awesome. No, I appreciate that. I mean, that's I I literally just had an interview uh, with another person um, about podcasting as well too. And we talked about LinkedIn as being a, a big platform to use for connecting and talking to people on the business side uh, and, and trying to win business and stuff. And this is also another way of how I enjoy using LinkedIn is is collaborating with business owners, with CEOs, uh, with C-suite executives and talking about the facilities industry. And to be honest, when I kicked this off, I didn't know where this thing was gonna go. I had one intent on how I wanted to use this podcast. The next thing you know, it's kind of take its own formation. And I'm just kind of letting it go right now, which is kind of fun. You know, I can't complain. No, it's great. It's a great platform. I mean, and and to not embrace technology in today's day and age um, is, is in, in my opinion, foolish. I think it's the it's the Wild West. I mean, there's, there's a lot of opportunity there. Yep. And, you know, the, the most difficult thing for me is, is trying to understand it you know, first and foremost, and then where to actually apply what we're learning, because um, you don't want to make a misstep and spend a lot of time, you know, going down the wrong road. But then again, uh, you know, with all this, these latest and greatest apps and social media platforms, it's, it's, they're coming at you fast and furious and, and trying to pick a, a winner is uh, difficult at best sometimes. However, you know, I've stuck uh, with LinkedIn uh, specifically uh, and it seems to have really, you know, proven, uh, for, at least for me, uh, to be a great tool from a learning perspective. Yep. Um, yep. Just from a connection perspective. I mean, it's something that I've, I've poured a lot of time and energy into, and I'm getting a lot of uh, a lot of out of it as well. Nice. That's awesome. You know, that's something that you know, we, we before we got on the sh- uh, on the podcast, we aired it. Um, what we were, one of the topics we're going to be talking about is technology, but. I want, to, I want to kind of put that on hold for the second, and I want people to kind of know a little bit more about, you know, who you are, what you do, um, so we kind of have a better idea and then go into the technology side because that's something that, I, I you know, in our conversation we had last week, you know, it's, it's it's not a lot of people are embracing it. But, you know, we'll put that on hold for a second. So tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background. I mean, I think you have a pretty cool background when it comes to your knowledge in the facilities game, if you will. Um, did not realize, you know, how well versed you are in the HVAC industry. So it was kind of cool to listen to, to your stuff. So tell us a little bit more. Sure. Um, well, 
Myself, I'm third generation in the HVAC business. My father had a local self-perform business for years uh, here in the New York Tri-State area. Um, and his father was in the um, the rigging business prior to that, uh, specifically for mechanical trades. Okay. Um, started working at a very young age of 15, my father's sheet metal shop. Um, nice. Just it, it just escalated from there. I, I was a, uh, a union local 638 steam fitter, went to four years of the apprenticeship program in the early 90s, uh, worked my way up. We were transforming everything from electromechanical to solid state uh, and all this new technology that you now see today. And, and it's interesting to me to see where the industry is really, really gone. But uh, spent a lot of time, about seven and a half, eight years in the field, uh, became a journeyman technician, uh, moved into sales. Wow. Um, 97, 98. Okay. And then uh, was approached to go work for a technology firm. Uh, which we know today as Service Channel. Yep. I uh, was and friendly with the owner or was the owner of Service Channel back in the day. Yep. He approached me, uh, basically said, I want to get you, you know, we've got this new platform, which at the time was way ahead of its, <laughs> way ahead of its time. Yes. Um, it was interesting to me. I loved the new technology that was coming out in the HVAC space specifically. Uh-huh. So I took a chance, worked there for about two and a half years. I saw them rise. I saw them fall with a lot of, uh, venture capital money. Um, and like I said, it was way ahead of its time uh, with the cloud computing aspect of it. Uh, and as they were on their debt, on their decline, I had said, you know what, I've been to a lot of different companies now. I've seen how they're, you know, uh, embracing technology or, or understood that in the future, technology was really going to be embraced and they were onto something. So took that and took a complete outsource model um, idea and turned into what you see today as Boss Facility Services, which is now 19 years old this year. Um, January of next year will be 20 years in business. That's and, awesome, And time man. flies. Having a great time doing it. The model's proven true uh, for, for, for numerous reasons, but I've just enjoyed, uh, you know, we started off as a strictly MEP space, um, and shortly thereafter, about two and a half years into it, we became fully versed on full interior services, uh, so it's HVAC, lighting, electrical, plumbing, as well as general repair, which encompasses everything from flooring to painting to um, interior fit-outs, fixturing, millwork, uh, things of that nature, uh, through our full project uh, management that we do. So, you know, that's awesome. refresh. Yeah. So just out of curiosity, how did you come up with Boss as as your, uh, your brand name? <laughs> um, it was one of those things where I don't know, remember where I was specifically, but I remember seeing a, um, a Ford commercial and it had the, at the end of the commercial, the stamp uh-huh. where it stamped Ford and it said built Ford tough. Yep. And for some reason, the name Bosch just came to me and I figured out, you know, we can have it stand for something more than just, uh, you know, boss, which was even ahead of, uh, you know, like a boss, that whole saying, but yep. uh, it, it stands for built on superior service, uh, which, you know, we live and die by that day in and day out here at Boss. Um, you know, I've always been in the service game. Yep. So for me specifically, we understand at not only local, but the regional and national level, what it takes to facilitate a call. It's not an easy feat. Um, I know that a lot of people think it's as easy as, oh, we'll just go on, you know, Google and search a company, but there's a lot more to it and a lot more that goes into it, you know, um, and it's 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 always one of those things where we know we're as good as we're, our last call. Um, one of my favorite sayings is a pat on the back is as quick is is as 
you know, it's a swift kick in the ass. So, right. you know, we, we need to make sure that we're, we're on our game day in and day out. We could do a thousand things right and do one thing wrong. And, and that just, you know, could be a, uh, a killer of, of, uh, you know, future business. So yeah. we're, we're aiming to please. That's awesome. I love, I love the, uh, I kind of figured it was like an acronym, you know, but I was like, there's gotta be something behind this. And it's a great name. I think it's, uh, it's creative because in my head, you know, I'm thinking like, like a boss, you know, and, but it's a compliment as well too, because like when you say that, you say that with like, you killed it, you destroyed it, but you guys are really focused on the service side of it. Um, taking care of the customer from literally the moment they call you onboarding and everything to, you know, just continuation of that relationship and you're doing it, you know, like a boss, if you will. So I love it, man. It's awesome. So, you know, kind of going back to the technology stuff, you know, like that's something that, that really you and I can relate to this as well too, is, is just companies not embracing the technology. Um, you know, whether it's, using a CMMS platform, whether it's using other uh, digital uh, platforms that are to make your team more efficient. Like now people are starting to use, for instance, Microsoft Teams, for instance, you know, because of the, the what we're going through at the moment. And I mean, I've heard people tell me horror stories, kid you not, like today where someone gets, gets a work order and literally they put it in the trunk of their truck or car drive you know to wherever that person place has to go and then they put it in the other person's trunk so they can actually submit the invoice as opposed to just having it all digitized you know and so it's just these little things that i kind of sit here i'm like wow like a lot of us especially in this industry which you've seen you mean you've been in this industry for a long time i would say we're probably one of the last few industries that are kind of like holding on to our old school things would you agree I wholeheartedly agree. But you know what? <laughs> Sometimes it's it's tough to break old habit. You've got companies, um, you know, that have been around 30, 40, 50 years who are very successful organizations, you know, regardless of what type of pe- technology, uh, they just dominate the market yep. uh, locally because they've been around for so long. However, you know, I, I mentioned to you, just being around that length of time doesn't necessarily make you not susceptible to what's going on in the industry. Yep. So I had given you the example of, you know, let's look at Sears and Walmart. Right? Yes. So Sears was obviously a player before Walmart. Yep. Um, they came up together. One embraced technology, right, and and got into the, you know, the electronic distribution and the omni-channel sales and so on and the online game, and one really didn't. And you yep. can see where they are comparatively today. Um, you know, one, I'm utterly shocked that they're not out of business 100% yet. And the other one is just killing it, you know, so even in a even in a situation that we have today with this this pandemic going on. So, you know, just because they're successful, and they've been successful doesn't mean that it won't come to a a grinding halt. And, you know, you know, to their credit, though, I mean, they've really, they've really done something right. And it says something to their business. However, why would you not want to embrace technology if you could even if even if it only leverage the efficiency of your organization by going digital. Why would you not want to embrace that, right? That's so true. That's so but true. A lot of times technology, especially 5, 10, 15 years ago, it was a lot of money up front mm-hmm. to actually get into a technology. Mm-hmm. And then because of the pace at which it was moving, you know, they're going to gamble on this technology. And then 
in three years, that technology is gone because they weren't the leader in that in that space. Yeah. So now the, the vendor, mechanical contractor, plumber, whatever, feels like, wow, I invested all this money up front, right? And look, they're not around anymore, and I just spent $150,000 to implement this. And look, now everything's going this way. So like I said before, even myself with the social media platforms, you know, you want to go with something that's tried and true. Yep. But with this you know, gold rush of uh, technology that's out there today, you're seeing things evolve a lot quicker, and it's not a lot of upfront cost comparatively. As a matter of fact, a lot of the stuff is free now um, that you could take on in a smaller you know, test environment and then go, you know, and scale it that way too. So yeah. um, even that's changing, you know, drastically day in and day out. So yeah. uh, I, hey. I, I wholeheartedly feel that they need to, to really embrace this type of stuff because just because they're big today doesn't mean that they won't be gone tomorrow. Yeah, no. And, and, and I, I agree with what you're saying about the investment is so much smaller than what it used to be. Like today now we're in a, we could almost say like a gig economy, if you will. Um, and we're in a subscription economy. So anything that's going to be a SaaS type product, a service, uh, software as a service for people that don't know what that is, a, a lot of these SaaS products are going to be based on subscription as opposed to based on like you invest 100K, you know, and, you know, you get a CD, you install it on your server and that's what it is, uh, you know, and, and the beauty about these SaaS type products where subscription base is it's low investment upfront, okay, and some of these are going to be 12 months, maybe month to month. You know, it just really depends. A lot of them, kind of like what you're saying as well, too, are free up to a certain point, And then you pay a small nominal fee per employee or, or per user or whatever it is. But it, it's, it's a lot of companies are embracing the subscription model. And I'm a huge fan of the subscription model. It is, in my opinion, the most genius thing to do on both sides. On the consumer side, the person that's going to be purchasing the product or service, and then also on the actual business that's providing that service or product, because you can essentially start scaling your company and scaling what you're doing to grow it. And then you don't have to have upfront costs. You can keep that capital because at the end of the day, as a small business, most important thing, cash is king, right? Yep. And we embrace a lot of different technology here, even from a call center uh, perspective. Mm -hmm. Um voice over IP systems that we use, right? So if we need to bring on 20 employees, you know, it's as simple as literally headsets, plug them into the computer, download the app, and we're ready to rock and roll. Yeah. Um, if we're having a bad year, you know, and we have to get rid of 30, 40 employees, it's as simple as shutting off the licensing or that monthly subscription is which, uh, which you're speaking to. So um, those subscription models are phenomenal. I oh mean, my gosh. they are a lifesaver. I agree. I totally agree. And, and that's the thing is that what I love about it is it allows us to test out a service because if someone says that their service is top notch and the best, they're like, all right, fine. I'll, I'll pay the month to month, you know, yep. and, and it, you pay a little bit more, but you get to see what it is. You get to test it out. And you're like, this is junk, man. I'm not going to pay for this, you know, and pay a year's up front and get a discount. Other times you're like, this is, this is amazing. I'll pay a year up front, you know, cause you see everything. So it allows you to really, you know, in, instead of putting a lot of money up front, it allows you to test it. But the other side, the company providing that service has what you're talking about, have to provide that customer service, you know, being responsive, yeah. making sure they're taking care of work tickets, you know, um, for any kind of bugs and stuff like that. So it's it's a win-win for everybody. Absolutely. And the product development on that side too, you know, as things are, you know, evolving. Um, yep. I mean, even 
look at even look at Service Channel. Fifteen years ago, mm-hmm. only player in the space. Yeah, only player in the space. Or, there may have been one or two others. Now look at it. Yeah, 20, 20 players in the space, and yeah. it's that simple. Or even if you had to build a website twenty years ago, you'd have to hire someone specifically. They'd have to create the whole page. Now you could just go on something like Wix, create your own page, and yeah. you're up and running within an hour. It's, it's that simple. Plug and play templates, and 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 you're off to the races, right? So. Uh, it, it's gotten a, it's gotten a lot more fluid the uh-huh. way things are done these days. And if again, if you're not embracing it, you're going to lose out ultimately. It yeah. may take a little bit more time because you've been successful, but once it hits, it's it's going to it's going to really it's going to hurt a lot of companies. And, and and that's exactly what we were talking about before last week. Is is that I feel like this this pandemic again, not making light of the situation, but this pandemic is really putting people's systems and procedures to test, to yep. see like whose systems are solid, and who is using technology the right way um, to make their business function better. Uh, because at the end of the day, like the ones that are doing it, I'm not I'm not saying if you do it the old way, you're not going to survive, but it's going to start catching up. You know, right, it's a ten-step process when you could do it in two steps. Yeah, right? and, yes, and even when we were winding it down internally, and we had to get at because we're in New York, based out of New York, um, you know, so we had the stay-at-home order. But because of the technology that we do have, like I had mentioned, the voice over the IP, the mm-hmm. cloud services that we have, it's pretty fluid. So yep. people essentially got up from their desks, either took their towers, or if they had stuff at home, they're logging in. They're not skipping a beat. I mean, it's it's that easy. Yep. Um, there was a couple of hiccups here and there, but it's just you know it had to do with the individual user. But for the most part, look, essentially, and, and that, that's what I think is going to really happen out there with um, all of these office spaces. And I, I was listening to something. I don't know if it was Chase or Barclay was saying that they're going to reevaluate and look at things. You know, as far as their office space is concerned, and you know they may see a drop of thirty percent office space in the future yep. because the home model not only is it um you know less money to, to have the actual square footage and, and the space but they're also seeing a rise in productivity from the people that are actually working at home yep um so something that has been you know as a business owner i could relate to it you're always scared to say oh work from home because you feel that this is element of someone's not doing what they're supposed to be doing however it's it's actually uh, the opposite from what they're seeing in the in the initial weeks of this pandemic is people are you know a lot more free to, to do things make decisions get on get off uh, work their schedule but they're being more productive at it as well totally and and that's just, and that's I'm glad you're saying that too because I've I mean I've owned a company for ten plus years and I sold it in 2018 I I worked from home quite a bit you know because I would work in the morning at home do some stuff you know, go in my office for the afternoon, whatever, and then I would work continuously at night. And my productivity, I, I mean, granted, it, it was my business, I get it. <clears throat> but the point is, is that when you have an agenda of things you get to take care of, you're going to do whatever it takes to get it done, you know, and right. I, I agree on that end where for us, you know, productivity is, is increased probably for some people, but others that don't understand how to manage their time and manage their workday at home and they don't have someone kind of like on them the entire time, it's going to be a challenge, you know, and it's challenging not only with that, one of the things that I learned from working at home with three little kids is, you know, they need a lot of attention. Yes. And thank you for, for school and for teachers, because I don't necessarily know in this new world if I could do that right. every single day. 
me. Oh, uh, just given the the you know uh, constant you know I need this I need this you know I, I need help with this and, and you know we're having this 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 dialogue and I'm I'm actually in my office today yeah not at home because I know that it would have been interrupted every three seconds if I got on on a uh, podcast right. so yeah no my... it's, it's just different it's challenging you know oh, my it's God. A definitely a new way of doing things and yes. Some people could be more productive if they, let's say, don't have kids or or aren't taking care of, an, you know, a parent or something like that. Yeah. But it does have its it does have its challenges as well as benefit, you know. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Well, you know, <laughs> what I want to kind of shift into next is is we talked about this whole thing. I mean, your background, the HVC industry, it's pretty superb. I mean, I didn't know that you actually went from like tech service into sales, so you've seen everything. And, you know, like kind of, I guess, tell us a little bit more about that. And then we discussed on the, the self-perform versus, you know, the subcontract, what I like to call as affiliate partner, because it sounds better in my opinion. Um, you know, like I want to kind of hear your perspective on this and, and let our audience know about this as well, too, because this is a debate I, I, I get through a, a lot. And when I say debate, I don't necessarily like say argue with clients and, and prospects, but as I hear it. And so I, I have my own rebuttals. And, and ways to fight the objections, if you will. But I'd love to hear, like, you know, your thoughts on it and kind of go from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I've sat in many a uh, sales pitch. I've listened to, you know, are you self-perform? Oh, no. And then they give you the face. Uh, <laughs> you got to remember, I sat on the self-perform side for years. Yeah. Right? Yep. Two and a half generations, let's say. Yeah. Um, so, so when someone says, oh, oh you're not self-perform, or you are self-perform, or you're, you know, let's face it, there's only three models, or possibly four models, right? It's a self-perform model, yep. right? It's a full outsource model. Yep. It's a hybrid of both, yep. or in certain instances, the client will have actual technicians on their own uh, payroll, and they think that that's the most efficient way of doing things. Look, there's data to support every one of those scenarios. Yep. There's not one that's right, there's not one that's wrong, we, we could debate it. I'm not going to work harder to prove my model if you're never going to believe in my model, right? Exactly, so exactly. The way I look at it is either you buy into it or you don't buy into it. I have the data to support it. Look, people think that self-perform is better because, you know, I'm dealing with the local. Well, yeah, but that's not to say that you're not susceptible to the day in and day out struggle of anyone. So if you say, oh, we've tried outsource partners and they just didn't show up. Well, that, that happens in self-performed models too, right? <laughs> the guy calls it sick, right? Um, you know, one of my one of my things is, well, you're dealing with a self-performed company and they only have three trucks. What happens when it's 95 degrees and there's 100 calls backed up? Yep. Where do you fall in on that? You know, I know that I have three tiers of companies and each one of them has 20 trucks. So who's going to get to this site faster? Yeah. Me or them, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's the pros and then there's the cons in each one of those scenarios. So I'm not one to judge and I'm not one to have to go over, be, you know, and beyond to convince you that my models, you either see it or you don't see it, right? Yeah. There's enough, there's enough out there for everybody. But since day one, like I said, we draw a, a clear line in the sand and we say we have to perform. Every call is as important as the last call. Yep. And if you truly believe that, no matter what the model is, you have to perform on it, right? So we've we've been performing or else we wouldn't be with our clients as long as we have been. We've got clients since day one of inception. They say the actual, you know, the average 
uh, client only lasts from three to four years really? on average okay. in the cannabis space. Okay. So, you know, we've got clients 19 years. We've got some that have transcended from the local based company that we had to the national based company that we have. That's awesome. So, you know, it, it all comes down to the relationships, being able to deliver on what you're, you're actually doing. Yeah. And that's why we stay in our space. We know our space. We're well versed in our space. You know, we talk the talk, we walk the walk, and it's not just myself. You know, people in our uh, environment here at Boss, you know, they're seasoned professionals in the spaces in which we service. Yep. So, you know, we're not one to say, hey, we're experts in landscape management. It's not what we do, right? Yep. It's not to say in the future we don't possibly, you know, team up with another company, purchase a company, but then we're going to bring all that resource and they have to be able to have the same values, ethics, knowledge base that we have in order to deliver it to our customers. Because look, we're not gonna stick our necks, necks out to get business on stuff that we don't typically handle, yep. just to say that we do it. One of the interesting things is when we first started, and, and I should have dug it up, but we had these brochures, paper brochures back in 2001. Uh -huh. And one of, one of the lines in there was, you know, we're more comfortable saying no than always saying no problem. So if someone comes to me and says, we want you for landscape management, I'm going to say, no, that's not our forte. That's not what we do. Yep. If you have a need for what we do, you know, do, or I could turn you on to someone that does that for you, you know, I'd rather gain that relationship and it's a long-term value prop on both sides. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's like, and taken. And, and uh, what, you know, what you're saying there too, is it's, it's creating that transparency. And unfortunately, like, even though we live in a world of tra more transparency than before because of social media, because of how accessible everything is nowadays, it's, I, I agree with you. Like whenever you say no, if anything, what that does is builds more trust in you as a professional in your business versus, you know, somebody else. Um, and what I see there is that it allows, you know, for you and I that we said no to business, but, there will be a time where they're going to be evaluating a service that we, you know, we were good at, you know, for us, HVC and refrigeration. And they're going to say, hey, you know, our, our previous provider, they failed us four times on this. We've had conversations, et cetera. You know, can we have a conversation? Let's chat. What can you do to help? Yeah. And the fact that you said no at the very beginning opens up more opportunities down the road. It could be a year from down the road. It could be five years down the road. It does not matter. Look, they will, it could be we, it could, it could be never, but yeah. they may turn someone in, someone else is looking for something and they say, hey, look, give them a call. I've got relationships that have started off as business relationships, uh -huh. people that become very friendly yep. uh, with me. You know, some, um, in fact, were at my wedding uh, yeah. you know, that actually came in. Then I had lost that business for one reason or another. The management shift, they left the organization. I'm still friendly with these people to that to this day. That's awesome. And, it doesn't always have to be about the business, you know. It, it, it can be a friendly, you know, relationship. Um, understand the people that you surround yourself with, and and you know, if, if they're good at what they do, uh -huh. uh, anything. It doesn't matter what it may be. It could be, you know, the copy machines that you, you use or things like that. Um, it's always going to, you know, be something that people can understand, respect, and will definitely refer in a time of need, whether they need it or they could refer out to someone, you know, that that's looking for those particular, you know, services. So, yeah, um, the relationship piece to me is big, you know, networking is big, um, you know, but knowledge is big too. I mean, I've seen, I'm sure you have too, 
you know, people think, oh, we could get into the facility management business and they come up with a, a, a clever name and that's all they've got. And they've got really no, you know, it always cracked me up to see, and this, this goes for whether you're a contractor or on the client side, you know, yep. you get someone that came from the mailroom is now making multi-million dollar budget decisions. And I'm saying, you know, and they're looking at us and saying, you know, oh, I don't understand how you get to that, that, uh, that number, you know, per hour. And it's like, it's very simple. I'm going to give you the breakdown. It's, it costs X amount to put a technician in a truck, tools, insurance, you know, uh, training, licensing, whatever it may be. Yep. I'm telling you 65. You're telling me you need to be at 32. And I'm saying there's no one that can meet that criteria for $32 an hour. Yep. So you've got to then question the client, right? So, um, look, we, we could educate as much as we want. Look, there's good, there's bad. And then there's also, you know, the, the true professionals out there in the world. And, and we like to say that we're the true professionals I, out there and we, and we surround ourselves with such. 